Pastor Xavier Rees says the cares of the world can only crowd out the Word of God. Some seed fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked it, and it yielded no crop or no fruit. The divided heart. The heart that has one foot in the church and one foot in the world. Are things crowding Christ out? You're busy doing other things, and they crowd out being used of God, reading, studying, praying, and involvement. Welcome to Simple Truths, the daily half-hour study of God's Word with Xavier Reese, Senior Pastor of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. Scripture contains various illustrations for the condition of the heart of man. And coming up, Pastor Xavier delivers a simple truth study of one of the most vivid teachings of Jesus along those lines with the parable of the sower from the Gospel of Mark, Chapter 20. It's a lesson that takes root in how far we let the Word of God penetrate our heart. Let's listen. The Bible is forever warning us and very clearly teaching us the evilness of man's heart. Jeremiah 79 says that the heart of man is deceitful and desperately wicked. And only God alone can know the heart of man. It is very possible for you to think you know your heart or myself while at all times my heart can deceive me. Certainly as non-believers not knowing Christ, our heart is totally sold out to deception. The deception that seeks out for itself and the deception that sees himself only as that one who has the answers or the one who is justified or the one who is innocent. And we're so quick to point fingers and it's, uh, it's the easiest thing to do. But even as Christians, we certainly cannot escape that. Because though we are born again and we're new creatures, the old man and the sin nature is still present with us. And if we will allow it to take root and take a hold on the opportunities that avail him, he will take all opportunity given. And so even Jesus said in Matthew that it's from the heart that evil thoughts, fornications, adulteries that proceeds and defiles man. It isn't what goes into us. It isn't what takes place, but it's what's in us that really defiles us. And so often we're trying to conclude that the reason why we are or how we are or why things happen is because of other things or other people or if this wouldn't have happened. But in reality, people and places and circumstances only allow what is in us to surface. But that's not a proper acknowledgement at times because we have to look at reality. And so we need to guard our hearts and certainly here in the parable of the sower, we're going to look at verses 1 through 20. The parable of the sower is found in all three Gospels, the three synoptic Gospels. Jesus is now turned to the open-air meetings. The synagogue has become hostile. The synagogue has become too small for the audiences that are hearing him. And so he resorts to the Sea of Galilee. Verse 1 says, And again he began to teach by the sea, and a great multitude was gathered to him, so that he got into a boat and sat in it on the sea. And the whole multitude was on the land facing the sea. So he had this natural amphitheater, if you will. And Jesus was there once again. And But notice he was teaching them. Always instructing people about the kingdom of God. People always want to find out what does God say, what does God mean, how does God want me to live. 
Well, the only way we can find that out is to pay heed to the words of Jesus. If we look to the words of Jesus simply as one of many of the answers, then we will make errors. We need to look to the words of Jesus for the only answers for life. That is not too favorable today in the generation of knowledge and progress and the age of information. You're thought to be an idiot, a nincompoop. And so at times we sacrifice truth for the sake of looking good. And that should never be. In verse 2 he says, Then he taught them many things by parables and said to them in his teaching. This is known as the parable of the sower. The word parable means to throw alongside. Jesus now turns to teach in this parabolic method because men's hearts had become so hard and so insensate to the normal words that he takes normal everyday circumstances and story forms that men were very familiar with and in understanding that he would put spiritual truth next to it which they did not know and he wanted them to know and in understanding the common day practical illustration the truth of God would hit them square in the face. And this is why he turns to the parabolic teaching. Now, parables compare or contrast. They don't do anything but that. So whenever you read a parable, you have to ask, is it contrasting or is it comparing? You have a central theme and a central message, and they compare or contrast. Verses 4 through 9 it is a teaching of comparison. Here Jesus gives to us a beautiful picture of the hearts of men in parabolic form. Notice that in verse 3 he says, Listen, behold, a sower went out to sow. They've got the vivid picture, a sower. Perhaps even they could see someone sowing not far from the lake. And maybe he even turned and says, Behold, a sower. And they see a man out there sowing seed, tilling the ground. They've got their picture. And now he's going to make the application to a spiritual truth. The word listen in verse 3. The emphasis is on attentiveness and understanding for spiritual truth. He says it there in verse 3. He says it at the end of verse 9. He who has an ear, let him hear. Let him hear. Also in verse 13. He says, And he said to them, Do you not understand this parable? How then will you understand all parables? Jesus said that the parable of the sower is a key parable for all parables. So whatever we find here in the parable of the sower and those who are identified with it in Matthew 13 are keys to understand all other parables. They are called the kingdom parables in Matthew 13. Mark does not give us all of them. Matthew gives us the greater number of them. And so it's important that we understand what is going on here so we can put other parables in comparison to this one. It is key. He says it once again in verse 23. If anyone has an ear, let him hear. In verse 34, he says, But without a parable, he did not speak to them. And when they were alone, he explained all things to his disciples. And so the key is to listen. It is a false security. It is a grave mistake 
to come to church not being attentive to hear what God has to say to you. You see, when I'm preaching, first God is speaking to me, then to you. And so we need to pay heed. This is the emphasis. Now, as you examine Matthew, Mark, and Luke, you will find that Jesus says that the seed in this parable is the Word of God. It's also confirmed through Scripture as Peter tells us that the Word of God is the incorruptible seed which we are born again with. The Word of God is said to be quick, living, powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword, Hebrews 4.12 says. And so the Word of God is the seed. It is that by which we come to understand the message of the gospel and we respond to it. As we examine all three gospels, we also find out that the soil here in the parable is the heart of men. And so what we have here from verse 4 on down to 8 is four different types of hearts. The soil speaks of the heart of men who hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. There is no one that is here this morning that can walk out of here and say, you didn't describe my heart. You fit in one of these four hearts. So in verses 4 through 8, we get the comparison of soil to know the heart. In verse 4, he says, And it happened as he sowed that some seed fell by the wayside, and the birds of the air came and devoured it. The first heart that he shows us is that heart that is by the wayside, that hard heart. The waysides were those places where the people would pass by and, 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 and walk. And because men were walking always there, the ground was compacted. It was so hard that when seed would fall upon it, it would just lay there superficially. It couldn't take root. And so what would happen, birds would come and just snatch it up. No penetration can go, can be made. Now, remember that Jesus just got done being accused by the Pharisees and the scribes of casting out demons by the prince of Beelzebub. And Jesus warned them of the unpardonable sin. What was that unpardonable sin? Of rejecting the evidence and the message of God over and over and over again to where you really become insensate to it and you're in danger of blasphemy. I don't believe that blasphemy is identified with attributing satanic work to the work of God exclusively. But Jesus had been ministering to these Pharisees and scribes over and over and over again, and they had been opposing them and rejecting them over and over again. And he warned them, you're on the road to it. There is only one sin that is not forgiven, and that is blasphemy of the Holy Spirit, a continual rejection of the Word of God to the point where God gives you up. If a person dies without Jesus Christ, what has he done? He's blasphemed the Holy Spirit. And there is no forgiveness in this world or the world to come. All other manner of sin will be forgiven. If there is conviction in your heart and God is prompting your heart to repent and you acknowledge the error, then if you call upon His name, He says, He will forgive. 
But if you continue to reject, you continue to harden your heart and you say, I don't need forgiveness. I'm not going to repent. Then the Bible says there is a line we don't know where. Once a man crosses it, God in all his love can do nothing. I don't know where that is. I wouldn't want to chance it. But so you guys have a little peace before we go on the sermon. If you think you have done it, you haven't. That's the best way to describe blasphemy. If you think you have, you haven't. Because if you had, you wouldn't be worried about it. As a matter of fact, you wouldn't even be here this morning. You'd be living for yourself. And if you're here, that means God is still calling. Don't harden your heart. Be open to the gospel. The second heart, in verse 5, some fell on stony ground where it did not have much earth. And immediately it sprang up because it had no depth of earth. But when the sun was up, it was scorched. And because it had no root, it withered away. Now in verses 5 and 6, you have the second heart. The shallow heart. Stony ground. Here's the comparison. No root. It can get no nourishment. It is just very, very shallow. In Israel, there is much rock. They have an old saying that when God dispersed the angels to distribute the uh, rocks all over the world, one distributed them over in Israel and the other one over the rest of the world. And you go over there and you'll find rock and bedrock all over the place. And though you'll see rock like it's going right into the ground all the way, all kinds of places, and you'll see little flowers grow out of it, but very little earth. And so it may sprout up a little bit, but after the sun gets to it, it'll dry up because it has no depth to go down and to grab nourishment. But it hits the rock. It has some warmth, so it sprouts up, but it has no roots. No nourishment. Now the hard heart could be identified to the scribes and the Pharisees. They had just rejected Jesus. They had heard over and over and over again. Jesus warned them, be careful. But the stony heart here, which is shallow, could be referred to the multitudes. The multitudes were always there seeking Christ. But they weren't all seeking Christ for salvation or because he was Christ. But because of the miracles, because of the food, because of the benefits. There are many people, the multitudes, who flock to churches every week. But their heart is shallow. They have no deep roots going down. The commitment is very superficial. Most of the time is what they can get out of it. How can this help me? What can you do for me? And there's really no depth of meaning. Disciples come out of the multitudes. In verse 7, we have the third heart. And some seed fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked it, and it yielded no crop or no fruit. Verse 7 speaks of the third heart, the divided heart. The heart that has no room for God. The heart that is crowded by so many other things. The heart that has one foot in the church and one foot in the world. Now, we all live in the world, but we're not to live of the world. The things of the world are not to take priority over the things of God. 
Matthew 6.33 says, Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, then all these things shall be added unto you. Paul the apostle wrote to Timothy in 2 Timothy 3.10 about Demas. He says, He has forsaken me because he loved the world. Individuals who have come to Christ, individuals who have heard the gospel, individuals who are in the church, but there's a continual competition in their heart. And God gets crowded out. They have greater priorities. The things of God are okay as long as they don't crowd out the things that are more important. The American dream is just about over. Owning your own home. And because we're fully aware of that, too many people have made the home the priority of their life, even in Christ. And so many sacrifice everything to obtain the home. And they literally end up sacrificing all. As I tell people, when you're looking for a home, the first thing you should be thinking about is, where am I going to fellowship? If you're not going to fellowship in the city you're buying, or at least 20 to 25 minutes drive, you're only kidding yourself. It'll be a matter of time before you stop fellowshipping. You'll drive for the first week, first month, but your family won't feel like part of the family because they have to drive too far. Difficulties come up. You commute two, three hours to work. What does that do to you physically? What does that do to you with your relationship with your wife, with the Lord, with your children? But Xavier, that's the only way. Well, that may be true. Are you saying I shouldn't buy a home? I'm not saying that. What I'm saying is, what is it costing you? Are things crowding Christ out? You're busy working. You're busy doing other things. And they crowd out being used of God, reading, studying, praying, and involvement. This is the heart he's describing. He's speaking to his disciples. He teaches the meaning to the disciples. It says the sun scorched it because it had no root and it withered away. The fourth heart in verse 7. And some fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked it, and yielded no crop. You see that divided heart, but notice the contrast between that and verse 8. That heart that yields, that heart that is sold out, that heart that has, has reached down deep. So you have the hard heart, the shallow heart, the divided heart, the tender heart. Notice there in verse 8, 30, 60, a hundredfold. There is fruit. The heart that is open, it didn't begin like that. All of our hearts were hard. And we had to allow God to tear up that ground and to turn it up. So that the seed could be put in there. And it could take root. And there are always things that want to go in there. Rocks, weeds, everything else to choke out that word. 
But it's through that abiding, through that diligence that you get here to verse 8. He gives us the comparison from the sower of different soils. The comparison is the heart of men. Now in verses 10 through 12, a very difficult passage which has been misunderstood by many. He clears up the purpose of parabolic teaching. He says, but when he was alone, those around him with the twelve asked him about the parable. And he said to them, to you it has been given to know the mystery of the kingdom of God, but to those who are outside, all things come in parables. So that seeing they may see and not perceive, and hearing they may hear and not understand, lest they should turn and their sins be forgiven them. It would seem that Jesus is saying that the purpose for parabolic teaching was to hinder or obstruct the understanding of the gospel. But that cannot be the meaning. Once again, you have to take Matthew, Mark, and Luke and compare them all. And you will find, first of all, that he's quoting Isaiah chapter 6, verse 8 through 10. Isaiah was sent to a stiff-necked people, hard hearts. People who had been hearing the word of God over and over again, and they were not able to discern it any longer. It wasn't the fault of the word of God. It wasn't the fault of the preacher. The problem was the heart of man. Because if you are willing to say that the purpose of a parable is to hinder revelation, then you have to say that those who are hindered from revelation are set free from personal responsibility to respond to the gospel. I don't think you're willing to say that. Because the Bible says all men are responsible to respond to the word of God and no man will be able to say in that day, Lord, I never heard, I never understood, you never gave me a chance. So the parabolic teaching really is Jesus' method of going the second mile and these individuals had heard the word of God over and over and over again and they had turned their ear off to it and so he sought to take something that was very basic, very normal, very known, very common of the day and something that they would understand and put the ununderstandable, if there's such a word, next to it, the unknowable, and in knowing the practical and the common day thing, they would come to understand the spiritual truth. You see, the parabolic teaching was there to prompt curiosity and stimulate understanding. Jesus was going the second mile. He says, I know you guys are hard. I know you've tuned me off. But I'm going I'm to stimulate you to curiosity that you might respond to the gospel. That's love and compassion. And so he clears up here in these verses the purpose of a parable. He is not trying to hinder He's going the second mile for the people whose hearts are becoming hard. You remember Pharaoh? Why do you think the Lord, Jehovah, over and over and over again gave him all those miracles, all those signs? Because he wanted him to accept and to know who he was. God will go to great lanes to reach one lost soul. Remember the good shepherd? He leaves the 99 and goes after the one who goes astray. And so Jesus is really just confirming this, that the parabolic teaching is really a greater effort to communicate the gospel to a lost and dying and hard-hearted people. 
Well, we're just part way through the very practical and pivotal parable of the sower, a study of the simple truths Pastor Xavier draws from the Gospel of Mark, chapter 4. Now, there's much more of this message to come next time, but if your schedule won't permit you to tune in, as always, you can pick up a copy. And the title you want to ask for is simply, A Look at Man's Heart. It's available on CD for only $4. Now, tell us which one you prefer when you get in touch. And this might be a study you'd like to pass on to someone in your church or Bible study when you're through. Now, once again, the title to ask for is, A Look at Man's Heart. Or simply mention today's date. You can request your copy by writing... Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. Or to make your request by phone, call 800-926-1485. Again, that's 800-926-1485. Or the address once again is Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. And thanks for mentioning the call letters of this station when you get in touch. This helps us track the effectiveness of this ministry in your area. And then join us for more Simple Truths next time with Pastor Xavier Reese. Simple Truths with Pastor Xavier Reese, a daily half-hour broadcast, is a radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California www.calvarychapelpasadena.com